we're starting this new series called Unshakable. And today and next week in particular, or specifically, we're going to be talking about temptations and trials, right? Temptations and trials. What's interesting in the Bible, there's, you know, obviously, you know, maybe you don't know, but the Bible was not written in English. The Bible was written Old Testament in Hebrew, primarily in the New Testament, was written primarily in Greek. And so every English, what you read in English is a translation. And when we go back and look at the original languages, the, the Greek word um, for temptations and trials is actually the exact same word. Um, it's, it's the Greek word pyrosmos, and it means temptations in some places, and it means trials in, the, in other places. So this week, we're going to talk about temptations. Next week, Jack, who's one of our elders, is going to speak, and he's going to talk about trials and the difference between temptations and trials. And it's super important that, um, that we kind of sit and say, okay, God, what are you speaking to me today? So I don't normally do this, but um, I would like uh, everybody, um, if you think back on your life. So a temptation is this. Pastor Don did a great job in, North Point, in our North Point Daily, which is the devotional Gabe was just talking about. He did a really good job this past week. He doesn't always do a good, but this past week he did a really good job. <laughs> And he talked about temptation. He gave a really good definition. He said, a temptation is anything in my life that leads me away from my relationship with God. Now, what might be a temptation for me might not be a temptation for John. What might lead me away from my walk, my relationship with God might be different than what it does for, for John. Or it might be different from Larry in the back. Anything in my life that leads me away from my relationship with God Pastor John said, that is a temptation for me. Now, I want you to think about things in your life. How many of you could say, you know, don't raise your hands yet, but I have had things in my life that have been temptations for me. Things in my life that would lead me away from my walk, from a relationship with God. If you can identify that you have been tempted in your life, I would like for you to stand. If you've been tempted... This is audience participation. Audience participation. Okay. Okay. If you've been tempted, okay, you can stand. Now, if you have never given in to temptation, remain standing. In other words, if you've given in to temptation before, please have a seat. <laughs> All right. Okay, pretty easy, right? Everybody in this room, this message applies for it too, because every single one of us, Nadine, we all have had things in our lives that have been temptations to us that would lead us away from our relationship with God. And every single one of us in this room have found ourselves at times giving in to a temptation. And probably most of us in this room would say, you know, if I look back, when I gave in to temptation, there was regret in my life. Like I regretted that decision to give in to that temptation. Probably almost all of us say, oh yeah, I could tell you about the time. So on and so forth. And I can tell you I regretted it. And probably most of us in this room, or many of us in this room would also say, I can look back and I can see things in my life, moments in my life where I felt tempted and I didn't give in to that, into that temptation. I resisted to give in to that temptation. 
and follow that inclination of my heart. And so this morning we're going to talk about that. Um, the title I put of the message is Don't Take the Bait. Don't Take the Bait. So often, this passage in James chapter 1 that we're going to look at, James is the brother of Jesus, and he talks about temptation and how it's like a lure. It's like a lure. And when we pursue that, when we take that, this lure, you know, right, kind of looks, hold on, oops. The lure kind of looks, you know, uh, harmless. It looks delightful. It looks pleasing, right? And James talks about how temptation is like that. It looks like this lure. But we know when we bite into that lure, James says that there's this hook. And that hook comes into our lives and it drags us away. And it leads us away from our relationship with God. That's what temptation looks like. It entices us. It entices us. It lures us. Right? And then it hooks us and it drags us. And James says, if you continue to give into it, it's going to lead to death. Now, he's not necessarily talking about physical death. He's talking about death in the sense of our relationship with God is hindered or interfered with. Our relationship with other people is destroyed. And that's oftentimes what it looks like. That's what temptation looks like. And it leads us into death. Temptation. Let's listen to what James says. Since we've all been tempted, we've all given in. James chapter 1, we'll look at verses 12 through 16. And we're going to learn four things specifically. What James, the brother of Jesus, says about temptation. James says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Right? There's joy in our life. God brings his favor upon our life when we endure, when we patiently endure testing and temptation. He says, afterwards, those who endure it will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, James says, when you're being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us. Temptation comes from my own desires, which entices us, and it drags us away. This desire, it gives birth to an action that's sinful, that goes against God's best for our lives. And when sin is allowed, I make that choice. When sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to that death. So don't be misled, my brothers and my sisters. Don't be misled about temptation. So if you have notes, you might want to write these down in the backside. There's four things that we can learn about temptation from our passage here in James. The first thing is this. James says, remember when you are being tempted. Notice James doesn't say, hey, if you are being tempted. He says, when you are being tempted. In other words, James wants us to know that temptation is always present. Temptation is always around us. It's not if you are being tempted. But when you are being tempted, 
It's always present with us. This temptation is always with us. And so, it's like, oh, I, I kind of forgot, kind of didn't realize, kind of was maybe naive to the fact that temptation is always around me. And so scripture says, because temptation is always around me, that I have to be prepared I've got to be prepared for that moment when temptation, when I realize that. Listen to what 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says. Speaking of Satan, he says, Stay alert and watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls about like a roaring lion, and he's looking for someone to devour. It's like, oh, temptation's always around me. It's always present. Satan is looking for someone to pull down, to lead away from the relationship with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if I think, oh, well, there's no way, you know, I, you know, how many times have you heard someone say, well, I would never do that, I would never go there, only to find out later on, right? Our pride got in the way, we're like, oh, I would never do that, and we find ourselves later on doing the exact thing that we were being so critical or looking down upon other people for. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, he says, if you think you are standing tall, be careful not to fall. In other words, Paul is saying, you are not as strong as you think. You're not as strong as you think. He says, be careful. If you think that you're so strong that you could never give in to temptation in your life or that particular temptation, he's like, yeah, you're, you're primed. You're set up for failure. You are not as strong as what you think. Be on your guard. Listen to 1 Corinthians 13 or 16 verse 13. Paul writes again, he says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. So often, that's what happens. We are not on our guard. We drop our guard. We get in relationship with other people that we're comfortable with or situations that we're just comfortable with, and we, we just drop our guard. How many times have you looked back upon your life and you're like, oh, man, I can see I dropped my guard, and when I dropped my guard, I, saw, I found myself being lured in to that relationship. And the next thing I know, the hook was set, and it was in my mouth, and it was dragging me away. And the consequence, the price I paid, because I did not keep my guard up. I wasn't watching. Paul says, or Jesus says, actually, Matthew chapter 6, or 26, he says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For your spirit is willing, but your body is weak. It's like, oh, I found myself dropping my guard and not being prayerful, not being watching what was going on around me. You know, I know that Satan is like seeking whom he might devour, but the first thing we can learn is that temptation is always present the second thing that we can learn from that passage is that God never tempts us. God never places something in your life that would lead you, that he wants to lead you further away from your relationship with him. God does not tempt us. Next week, Jack will talk about trials, intestines, the same word. But James says, no, 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 God doesn't tempt you. All good gifts are from God above. God never tempts us. Um, verse 13 says, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone. Have you seen that? How often 
that, oh, I feel like I'm in this situation, I'm being tempted, and I give in, I want to blame God for it. God, why did you do this to me? Why did you allow this to happen in my life? Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3, reminds me of this. Proverbs says, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and, they, and then they are angry at the Lord. Ugh. I made these stupid choices, and then all of a sudden I want to blame you, God, for it. James is like, God doesn't tempt you. God will never tempt me. I think the third thing that we want to do that we can learn from this passage is that we need to identify the source of temptation. Like I, I always think, okay, well, where's this temptation coming from? Identify the source of temptation in your life. I think there's three different sources primarily that temptation comes from. The first one is that temptation, James says, from your own evil desires within you. Right? Like, okay, I want to do my own thing. God, I want to trust my own ability, whatever. This is from my, my own desires within my heart and life. Romans, the Apostle Paul, in Romans chapter 7, he kind of paints the picture and he talks about that war, that battle that happens within. He says, all I know, and I, and I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I, want, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. If I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one that's doing it wrong. It's the sin that's living in me. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all of my heart, but there's this other power at work within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. And then he goes on and he says, the answer to all these things, of course, is Jesus Christ. You have to identify the source of the temptation in your life that says, oh, this thing out there, it looks so good. I want this so much that I'm willing to sacrifice God's best for my life. Paul's like, hey, James is like, hey, identify that the problem lies within you. It's that old sinful nature that we're probably feeding. A second thing is that a second source is Satan himself, right? Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Like it's really, really clear that sometimes temptation happens in my life because it's a literal spiritual attack from Satan. Like it's not wrong to be tempted. Like it's going to happen. It's not Jesus was tempted but it was the enemy that was attacking him. We know this has happens at time in our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, the Apostle Paul is writing. He says, do not deprive each other. He's talking to married people. He says, don't deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Paul's like, yeah, that happens. That's not just my, the evil desires within me, that the enemy attacks me. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's like, oh, sometimes I feel this spiritual attack and I feel like the enemy is literally attacking me. 
And sometimes it's really difficult to even recognize that I'm being attacked, that, that's, that Satan is the source of my temptation. And why is that? Well, 2 Corinthians says this, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Verse 3 said this, Eve was deceived by Satan. For Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 says that Satan has strategies and schemes to deceive you. It's like, oh man, I, I, I was deceived. I had no idea that, you know, that the enemy was attacking me and was, le- I thought that looked so good. I had no idea. I was being pulled away. I was just sitting back there. I was just thinking about things that can be temptations. Again, and what might be a temptation for me might not be a temptation for you. And what might be a temptation for you, maybe nobody else. And how the enemy can use these things in our lives to lead us away from our relationship with God. And, you know, it's not like, there are certain things that says Satan masquerades as an angel of light. And, you know, probably most of us say, yeah, you know, murder is not really a temptation for me. I really don't struggle with, you know, I mean, most of us probably wanting to literally kill somebody, right? But I, was, I listed other things that can be a temptation. Money, relationships, food, sex, our words, fame, knowledge, fitness. It's like, oh, all these things can, you know, a lot of them can be really good things. But all of a sudden, they can lead me astray my walk with Christ because they become more of a priority in my life. And, and I'm compromising more what God says about this is what's best for you. And all of a sudden, I've been hooked. Right? Money's money, Scripture says it's the love of money. That's the root of evil. It's not money itself. Sex is a gift from God. But all of a sudden, when it becomes this priority, you say, oh, you know what, God, I'm going to do this outside of what you say is best. I mean, I know this is a great gift and everything. You know, it looks great and everything, but I'm just going to, you know. And then we get hooked and we get pulled in. Food. You know, I, I had a, it was a, it was a, it was a, last week was a, just a stressful week for me. And I love Jack and Patty. And they gave me a cake from Eston's on Sunday, and I ate the whole thing, you know. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, words, words can be, you know, we can say words of life and blessing, but then all of a sudden we can turn and we can use our words to destroy and to be critical and condemning. And it's such a temptation because some of us are so, we're so quick and we're so quick-witted and we're so good with our words. It's like, oh, it's such a temptation for me to, gossip about somebody else and to pull somebody else down to make myself look better. It's such a temptation for me, like, you know, to, to fill my head with knowledge and so that I feel so much better about myself and I think everybody else is such an idiot. It's such a temptation for me. Satan masquerades as an angel of light and he has schemes and strategies for your life. It's bad enough that I've got these desires within myself that does battle, but now I've got Satan also attacking me at times. It's like you got to know. you got to know where this is coming from. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about there's these battlegrounds between um, the world, our flesh, and the enemy, Satan. And at times, 
You know, it's not even so much that Satan's attacking me. It's not even so much that, you know, it's my own flesh, it's my own desires, but it's our culture around us that battles against what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's just constantly bombarding me. And I feel this attack just from culture around us. Those who don't know Jesus Christ and aren't following Jesus Christ. Got to know that. What's the source of that? Identify the source. The fourth thing that we can learn from this passage is this. The results of giving in to temptation, right? James says, oh, when you give in to temptation, it says these desires give birth to sinful actions. It's like, oh, I'm not, now I'm not just thinking about these things. I now I know there's this battle Romans talks about that happens within me. But all of a sudden, I begin to act out and I begin to, to, um, to act upon what I'm thinking and how I'm feeling. And it says, and when sin is allowed to grow. In other words, I make the choice, I make the decision to cultivate it, to allow it to grow in my heart and in my life. It says, he says, it gives birth to death. I find myself moving further away from God. I find myself giving in to temptation. And I find myself, it's a natural process. When I'm sinning, I move further away from other people. And I end up hiding. Because I don't want you to know about the sin in my life. The result of sin, of giving in to temptation, is this death. But there is good news. We do have this promise found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The good news is this. Paul says temptation, the temptation in your life is no different from other people experience. Like we're all, we're all in this together. We all experience very similar temptations. Might be a little bit different how you experience it, how I experience it. But he says it's no different from what other people are experiencing. You're not special and unique. He says, but God is faithful. God will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, God will show you a way out so that you can, you can endure. God always provides this window of escape. He always provides a way out for you when you find yourself in that situation of being tempted. He provides a way out. He's faithful. God will not you allow you to be tempted more than what you can stand. He'll always provide that way out for you, that window of escape. The question is, are you smart enough or wise enough or do you desire enough to say, God, I want to look for that window of escape. You promised to not me allow for me to be tempted beyond more than what I can bear. I can stand. I wrote five things down. We kind of have to look at strategies to resist or to battle temptation. Then you might want to write these down. Five strategies to resist or to battle temptation. The first one is this, right, plan your escape. Like, God, you say you're, you promised to give me an escape route. And, you know, God, help me to know what that is. Help me to know what that window of opportunity is to get out. Because once I miss that window of opportunity, I know that that temptation has become so strong or too strong. And I missed that window of opportunity. And I know that I'm going to end up giving in to that temptation because this, it's just the desire is too great. And so I'm going to plan my escape route. Beforehand, I'm going to be ready and I'm going to be prepared. Second one is to run. There are certain times in our life, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. 
Paul's writing to Timothy, who's a young pastor, and he says, there are certain moments in your life that you need to flee, that you need to run from anything that's going to stimulate your, those youth, those, that youthful lust in your life. Like there are moments that I know I just, like Joseph in the Old Testament, I just need to run out of that situation. I need to leave out of that situation. The third thing I wrote is that sometimes we need to move the line. Paul talks about taking my thoughts captive. Um, I, need, I need somebody to come up here and help me with this. Come up here and help me with this for a second. Come on up here. Come on up here. Take one piece of tape there if you can. Okay. Come on this way. Just a little bit more. All right. We're going to put it right in the ground. If you can tape that in. You can just stay right there for a second. So sometimes Paul says, take my thoughts captive. Right? When I get in these moments. And, some, you know, like, if this is not sinning, and this is sinning over on the sideline, right? What do we like to do? We like to walk up and get as close to the line as possible, don't we? Like if that's sin, if that's taking the bait over here, oh, this looks so good, and I'm going to get as close, I'm going to smell it, and maybe put my, you know, tongue out, and just, you know, I, I just, I just, yeah, I just, we want to be as close to the line as First service, somebody was up here, and she's like, yeah, I like to, I like to even walk the line. <laughs> I don't want to just stand next to you. I'm going to walk the line. And we know when that happens, there's so much more of a likelihood that we are going to step over that line into sin and taking the hook and taking the bait. Something that, you know, like, again, it's, it's the love of money. It's like, you know, and all of a sudden I find myself being greedy and money ruling my life. And really, if we're wise, right, we were wise, we would come back this way. We don't have any more tape. But so you know what? That's good, thanks. That's the line, but I'm going to move the line. I'm going to step way back away. I'm not, I'm not being legalistic. I'm just being wise, right? I know this is the line. I know getting involved in this sexual or emotional relationship with somebody else who's not my spouse is sinful, but I'm just going to step way over here. You know, I know people, you know, I've had staff members. You know, um, Scripture says, as a spiritual leader in your church, you're supposed to live your life above reproach. And so, you know what, this is not for necessarily for all of you guys, but because I'm called to live my life above reproach and all of our staff is, we don't, we don't go to, you know, Pat and Kelly Riley. I've known Pat and Kelly for 17 years or whatever. Great people, great friends. Kelly's a school counselor, super wise. I love counseling. But I'm never going to go to lunch with Kelly. She's got a great relationship with Pat. They have an incredible marriage. But she and I are just not going to do that. I'm not going to get close to the line. I'm going to say, okay, you know what? If I need to get together with Kelly, you know, Debbie's going to go with me. Or I'm going to call Pat. And the three of us are going to get. I mean, we're going to be way back away from the line. Because I'm not going to put myself in that kind of a situation. Like all my computer, my phone, like all my kids. Debbie knows. I don't, I mean, I have passwords just in case I'm, crazy person gets on there, right? But my family, they all know that. I would just, you know, I, every, all of my stuff has complete access. Anybody can have access to my stuff. Well, not anybody, but anybody in my family, right? <laughs> right? I'm going to go way back. 
I'm going to take my thoughts captive. And I'm going to step way away from it because I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get caught into that situation where I just feel so overwhelmed and tempted and, you know, and it looks so good. And I'm just, next thing I know, I'm hooked. And my life is destroyed. I'm going to think about the consequences. And so I step far, really far back. The fourth thing I think that oftentimes to battle temptation is to know the word, right? Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, every time that Satan said something to Jesus, Jesus said the word right back to Satan. Like he knew what God's word said. Psalm 119, verse 10 and 11 says, I have, God, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God, I've hidden your word. I've thought about it. I've meditated on it. I'm not sitting there thinking about, you know, the songs from Lincoln Park or from... I don't know, whoever else, you know, it's like, oh, no, God, I'm thinking about what your word says about what, how you call me to live my life. Because I know, God, when I've hidden your word in my heart, I'm, I'm, I'm less likely to sin against you, God. I'm, I'm, I'm guarding my eye gate, my ear gate, what comes into my mind, because I know I have these evil desires, this side of, of of heaven, I'm still being sanctified, I'm still being changed, I'm still being transformed. And I know that's, it still looks really good out there. Last thing, right, is to pray. We all know the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, pray, you know, Lord, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, I know that I'm under attack, and so I'm going to seek you, I'm going to pray, I'm going to talk to you, God. Last slide. When you've taken the bait, the message is don't take the bait. But when you have taken the bait, you have two paths going forward. Path one is to minimize your sin. When you've taken the bait, I can justify it, I can rationalize it, I can excuse it all I want. And when I take the bait and I do that, what I find myself doing is repeating that same sin over and over again. Because I've taken the bait. I just rationalized it. That's one path forward. The other path forward is that path of prayer, that path of humility. Like, God, I'm coming before you. I'm going to confess that what I did was wrong. I'm going to confess that that's not your best for my life. I'm going to confess that there are consequences and, and I'm seeing that and I'm feeling that and I'm hurting my relationship with you and I'm hurting other people. I'm going to confess those things to you. And when we do that, God restores our relationships when we find ourselves repenting, turning back toward him. Isn't it interesting? Two paths forward, repeat or repent. Look how close those words are together. One letter difference. An A and an N. That's all the difference in those words are repeat or repent. Two paths forwards. When you've taken the bait, what are you going to do? When it looks so good, what are you going to do? Let me pray for us this morning. Jesus, I pray for my friends that are here and for those that are listening online this morning. Jesus, would you show us right now areas in our lives where we are vulnerable to temptation?
because it might look a little bit different for everybody in this room and everybody who's watching online. An area where I might be vulnerable is something different. So in the quietness of our heart, Holy Spirit, would you do the work and reveal to us an area where you or I am vulnerable right now. Jesus, would you give us the wisdom on how to respond to this? Would you help us to be ready this morning? When Satan drops that lure into our lives, Jesus, help us not to take the bait. And Jesus, we have. This morning we repent. We confess to you that, God, we've screwed up our lives. That what we're currently doing right now is wrong. Just to yourself, all across this room, those who are watching online, if there's something specifically that God has laid his finger upon your life, two paths. Repeat or repent. Just you and the Lord. James says that we're to confess our sins one to another that we might be healed. I always tell people that secrecy and silence are the two biggest tools that Satan uses to hold us in bondage to sin. Secrecy and silence. I want to encourage you this morning. If God has spoken to your heart about unconfessed sin in your life. And you've repented of it this morning. For you to find another person who you think is a Christ follower. Whether it's myself or another staff member or another friend in our church. Whatever. Say hey. I want to let you know this morning, God spoke to me about this area of my life that I've been struggling with. And I'm repenting of it. I'm acknowledging it, that it was wrong. And I'm turning back to God. Would you pray with me and pray for me? Father, pray for my friends that are here this morning. Lord, that you're making aware of the vulnerabilities and you're making us aware of those things in our life right now where we've stumbled. And we're turning back to you. Jesus, would you bring healing and wholeness? Would you restore what the enemy has been trying to steal from us? Jesus, in your name I pray. Amen.